This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, two representatives of the ever-present battle of man versus machine versus nature versus self, Gabe Chang. Hi. Hello. <laughs> and Renee Rodriguez. I don't know what I'm representing, but I know we're losing. What up? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both for joining me this week. This is episode 318 of I Read Comic Books. Gabe, you are a very special guest on this episode because you have a Kickstarter that's out right now. Could you tell the folks at home a little bit about yourself? I mean, you've been on the show before, so maybe tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, the Kickstarter that you have running right now. Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me back on the show. Excited to be here and talk comics, uh, as I've done a couple of times. Um, So, yeah, uh, I'm a writer, uh, podcaster, pizza enthusiast. I am... uh, I. Self-published comics. Um, I've got a Kickstarter going on right now for my new one-shot short story called The Problem with Parallels. It is about two interdimensional traveling brothers who uh, must resolve their differences while uh, being chased through the multiverse by interdimensional assassins. And I'm very excited about it. It's uh, it's my third collaboration with artist Elisa Menegel, who is absolutely incredible. And mm-hmm. it is a comedy sci-fi story about running away. It, it, I I was you know allowed to view the beautiful little preview <laughs> that you sent over. Um, and I will say it looks very exciting, and it is nonstop like balls to the wall speed action from from the preview <laughs> that I saw. I'm like I'm really excited to see the whole story. Uh so yeah, I I'm very excited. You know, we'll talk a little bit more about that I think later in the episode, but for now, I have to ask two very important legally obligated questions. And that is how have you been? How have comic books been? I'm going to pass it right back over to you, Gabe. Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, I am working hard at my day job and and working hard on my side hustle, which is the the comics and the and the podcasts. Um Hopefully you guys are, are aware that the the amazing, um, incredible science fiction comedy uh, animated TV show of Futurama is coming back yeah, yeah. next yeah. year in 2022, 20 episode order on Hulu. And, uh, and my podcast, as I've mentioned, was a Futurama fan podcast. We went episode by episode, my brother and I, and analyzed and discussed every single one and all the movies and stuff. And and we thought it was done. We thought that we'd put it to bed, but no, it's back. We're back, baby. <laughs> I, I, so you guys, are you guys like how are how are you going to approach this on your show? Like, I mean, I imagine that your last the last episode talking about that was just like okay, and now we're done, and that's it. I mean, like kind you, of, yeah. How are you reviving things? Well, our, our last that couple of episodes, we did a handful of ten or twelve episodes that we called our quote unquote victory lap, and it was a bunch of list episodes where we listed our favorite episodes that were like about the three main characters bender fry and lila we called them the holy trinity on the podcast mm-hmm. we listed our favorite villains we listed our favorite characters that only appeared once um we did a, a debate where where my brother luke and i argued which was the most sci-fi episode and which was the least sci-fi episode <laughs> and and so we ended it with our favorites of the entire series and our least favorite of the entire series and our favorite quotes of the entire series so we like we we turned over pretty much every stone that we could think of with this show and we put it to bed as best we could. And then we, mm-hmm. yeah, we signed off and we were like, that's it. Thank you very much. And, you know, feel free to go back and listen. Cause it's going to be, it's going to live on the internet forever. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know what we're going to do. My brother and I have yet to talk <laughs> about it, but there's, uh, that we've been kind of texting back and forth about it and, uh, and you know, we've got plenty of time, but I think that the, we're going to pick up where we left off. We're going to do, uh, an analysis of each episode. We're going to try to get it as close to possible as when they come out, but it probably will be a little bit delayed. And then we'll we'll do a ranking of of them as we'd like to do. Um, I've been thinking about potentially doing 
mini episode reactions, like, you know, the day after they come out. Oh, yeah. Snap. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how that works. That wasn't really the strength of the podcast so that my brother and I both felt that, um, that it was really about the fact that I like sat down and watched them a couple of times, listened to the audio commentary, went through the, the wiki article about it and, uh, and really had, uh, done some deep thinking and some analysis about, you know, a, a silly cartoon. And that was kind of the strength of, of where the discussions came from. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that I could turn that around in 48 hours and get the podcast out. Uh, but yeah, so we're going to figure it out, but, uh, for sure we're, we're coming back. There wasn't a discussion at all about like, should we do it? Should we not? It's like, no, there's, there's more Futurama. We did a Futurama podcast. We right, should, right. we do more Futurama podcasts. Yeah, go check out another lousy millennium. I mean, if you search for it, it's out there. Like I just started typing another and it came up. I don't know how that happened. What did you do to my Google results? <laughs> um, probably, but yeah. Weren't you on an episode? So that's I mean, probably, I was, but yeah, that's probably that's the probably. reason. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, fan, fantastic podcast. But yeah, that's super exciting, man. I I was genuinely surprised when that was announced. Like, I don't know. I, I'm sure we could talk about this all day, but I'm I, I don't know. It's kind yeah. of crazy that show's coming back. I was I was very very excited. I was not surprised. I'm I'm not like a Hollywood insider, but I, I live out here and mm-hmm. I work in entertainment and I have friends that work in entertainment. So I'd heard rumors that I see. there were um, that it was potentially coming back. Um, so I wasn't super surprised, but I was still extremely. I you know things there are rumors of things coming back all the time. Like oh, of course, things of course. I, IP is getting revived and rebooted and blah blah blah. But like. Uh, it, it's very, very exciting. For sure. For sure. Um, I guess beyond Futurama news, have you been reading any comics? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I started reading um, Rorschach, which just dropped on uh, Hoopla a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it's Tom King um, and Jorge uh, Fornes. Forneas. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a accent at the end of his name, so I'm not quite sure how to say it, is the illustrator. And then the colors are Dave Stewart. I love Tom King. I love his take on Batman. The fact that he brought Kite Man like back into the zeitgeist and now Kite Man is, was like a major character on Harley Quinn. Like, right. that's just awesome. I will blindly read anything that he's written, which I kind of did with Omega Men and Sheriff of Babylon. I just picked those up sight unseen. I was like, oh, Tom King, I guess I'm reading this. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, Rorschach is his not quite uh, sequel to Watchmen, like many people that have read Watchmen and love Watchmen, I'm I'm pretty skeptical of any Watchmen sequels or prequels or remakes or anything like that. Yeah, same, same. Yeah, I, I loved the HBO show, but I also was very skeptical before watching it. Mm-hmm. And I read Doomsday Clock and I thought it was me personally, I, I thought it was like a bunch of malarkey. I, I thought that like it was a lot of nothing wrapped up in very good art and a very expensive promotional campaign which dc put a lot of money into uh-huh um <laughs> i mean i'm i'm right there with you Gabe. So <laughs> totally fine it is like it is what kind of made me lose my faith in in uh, jeff johns where i feel like he is having a lot of fun using these characters but like that's a, about where it ends with me um, <laughs> sure sure so Rorschach is, like I said, not quite sequel to Watchmen, uh, but really in the best of ways. It, it it exists in the same world as Watchmen. It references familiar characters. They might show up. I'm only at issue seven of 12. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know who who shows up necessarily. Um, we've seen them. Like we've seen the comedian. Actually, no, the comedian's already shown up in a flashback. So we've seen the comedian. We've seen Dr. Manhattan in a flashback. We've seen, I think we've seen 
most of them actually in a, in one panel flashback. And I don't know if they, they come up in the, in the latter half, but yeah, it's, it's about our contemporary society, just in the same way that the original Watchmen was about the society in the eighties. Um, it takes place in 2020. It's about a contentious presidential election. Uh, and it's similar to Watchmen in that it is ostensibly a murder mystery starts with a murder. And then there's a whole comic within the comic elements, similar to the, um, uh, the Black Freighter in the original Watchmen. It's all about mm-hmm. these pirate comics. Uh, Pontius Pirate, which I think is like a very intentionally like <laughs> corny, like awful name for a comic book character. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And, and You know, it's Tom King. And so it's like that. That's I, I hope it's intentional because it's so bad. And it like right. it hurts my brain to like to read it every time. So I, I'm sure it's been said. Uh, I'm sure it's been said by me on the other appearances I've made on this podcast, but like, I love the way Tom King writes. I love mm-hmm. his cool, stoic, but like imperfect characters. I, I love the, you know, like Mr. Miracle and, uh, and vision. And I couldn't remember, I can't remember the name of vision's wife. It wasn't Wanda in, in his vision comic. It was another, uh, synthesoid, uh, but like, so so flawed and so imperfect but trying so hard to hold things hold things together and it was Mm -hmm. so sad Mm -hmm. and and beautiful and i I just love the way that they speak to each other and interact with each other and how they and how king like builds tension um so one of the things that i definitely love about rorschach that i've loved about sheriff of babylon and the visions um is that they're slow burns but yeah uh they he still manages to keep you engaged keep you in it the entire time yeah i'm you know it's funny that you say that because this is like this is enough to sell me on the rorschach series (laughs) i was so i was so hesitant i know that's like like uh art is beautiful and i i think you know i trust tom king as a writer but i'm always like you said very hesitant about the anything that is non like watchmen or like secondary watchmen stuff right like all the before watchmen stuff i was like i did i didn't read any of those i'm not the biggest jay lee fan so i didn't read any of those no and and that's the thing like I'm, i'm always hesitant but you're you're making me think maybe i should try this one it's been sitting on like i opened up the hoopla link like as soon as it was announced <laughs> and it's just been sitting there waiting for me to borrow it so maybe this is enough of a push for me to actually sit down and just devour that series um and i'm, I'm going to talk about it in a little bit but i think that uh based off of what you said you're going to love hitman or excuse me uh you're going to love the uh human target that tom king is currently working on yes. once it's all collected and stuff oh man i Absolutely. i'm gonna have to pick your brain about it because i think like it it nails all the points that you've are you just mentioned about King's writing. How many things is Tom King working on at a time? Great I question. <laughs> I, I'm not sure actually how many he's working on right now. I mean, it seems always a little bit less than Jeff Lemire, who seems to always be working <laughs> on like eight things. Yeah. Uh, well, I think King King does a really interesting thing with his writing where like he will be wrapping up a book as a new one launches. And I think that's kind of common for a lot of writers, but like he does it in a way that it almost feels like he's working on five books at the same time. But if you actually look at the time scale of it, it's like he's finishing up a run on, you know, Batman. And then this other book starts at like Rorschach starts. And then he finishes up a Rorschach as another book starts. Like it's, it's very 
smartly done, which means that he's ahead in his writing constantly, which is good, you know, for everybody involved. Of course. But yeah, you're it does feel like he is almost like a Charles Soule or a Jeff Lemire or uh like I don't know, a lot a lot of writers that you feel like are super prolific because they've got nine books going on. R.L. Stein. <laughs> <laughs> what? The most prolific author of the twentieth century. Yeah, yeah. Next to Stephen King. Um, <laughs> um any Renee, how how are you? How have comic books been for you, man? Man, I've been good. I've been good. I've been having a really nice time, you know. Just things everything's looking up um and i decided to i've been reading just a ton and ton and ton of stuff but i finally started to just hack away at the the top of my pile uh Mm -hmm. stack that's been you know getting up there and since like you know i'm I'm opening up all the boxes from moving you know granted i moved a while ago but Mm -hmm. you know we're still building things so I mean, we're not on camera right now but if we were you would see right behind me are still boxes from when i moved back last march so like <laughs> i totally get that yeah so yeah and if you saw me on camera it would be a blank room because i am in between apartments right now moving out of my old one into my <laughs> new one where all of the boxes are so we get the yeah. struggle renee okay. we get it. <laughs> yeah so i was just been hacking away at that and uh this was a book that i got a while ago and it was the question the deaths of vic sage book one by Jeff uh-huh. Meyer, uh, pencils by Dennis Cohen, inks by Bill Sankiewicz. I don't know how to say Sankovic? it. Sankovic? I'm sorry. Sankovic? I, think, yeah, I don't yeah. remember. We have it on the pronunciation guide out there, folks. I promise. Yeah. Colors <laughs> by Chris Sotomayor, I think, and letters by Willie Schubert. Uh, again, sorry if I'm butchering your names. Uh, but it's a book about the question, and I really love the art for this book. Like, the pencils are brilliant. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of flair, a lot of dark, sh- like, uh, shading and whatnot it's very noir styled but the coloring sort of brings it to sort of like you know like the 60s gangster vibe so you know it's Mm. very it reminds me a lot of uh, batman year one uh just with you know like heavier heavier shading so i mean both i actually all three pencils inks colors are all just coming at it from all sides and it's really just really good and amplifies the story dude also like the lettering I just looked this book up online. I have never seen this book before. This is crazy. Yeah, I think it was – I wandered into a comic book shop like a while ago, which is crazy because I just like wasn't going out. So I wandered in and wanted, saw it, grabbed it, and I was like, I like the question. Let's do it. The lettering I actually really liked in this because like the question's inner monologue is in a different color, but it's yeah. not like drastically different. <laughs> And I almost thought like I was just like losing my mind being like, is this a different color? Is this a different person? Is this a ghost? What is happening? It's really (laughs) subtle, but I actually really, really like it. So, I mean, shout out to that. And I did fall off with the question for like a while. You know, I just haven't been reading Western books. I've been pretty much reading manga and Mm manhwa. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know that Vic Sage was back. I thought the question was still Renee Montoya. Um, Mm. But they brought back Vic Sage. Which, I mean, I get, but also at the same time, I don't really get because I feel like, you know, Renee Montoya has become, you know, very much, you know, the question at this point. So bringing back mm-hmm. Vic Sage seemed a little weird. And also as a Latina reader, I was like a little sad to see, you know, that gone. Yeah, yeah. And while I did really like the look of this book, there's a lot in it that I think I've just sort of outgrown. Like there's a lot of really classic noir tropes in there and a lot of it doesn't really make sense because it, you know, it takes place in the modern day and some of these old tropes don't really make sense to be there, especially because like they were doing a lot of things with like, um, 
you know, connection to organized crime, which doesn't really look this way anymore. They're still like modeling it after like the way that was in the 60s and even in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And it's just not that way. And then there's a lot of things that uh, Vic Sage, he's like a, a late night host, I think, in this. So there was a lot that they were sort of like hinting at and all that. And it was really, really interesting, but they didn't go down that road. And so I think the book kind of falls flat because of that. But like, mm. there's so much in this book that's really interesting that I would absolutely get book two just to see where it goes. Huh. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's interesting. And there's so much more to be explored in there. So I think I'll keep reading it, but I'm also like just sort of maybe aware that maybe I shouldn't just grab noir books just willy nilly anymore. Well, I mean, like looking at the creative team on this book, I would probably grab this as well as well if I had just seen it on the shelf. But uh, it sounds to me like despite the, you know, all star I cast, I guess, on the book, it didn't it just didn't work. Uh, I kind of it's crazy to see that Bill Sinkevich did the inks on this, but not the pencils. But I guess like he's got a totally different style, but it, it's an interesting looking book regardless. It's, I really love the art in it. I think that like it's. It's really beautiful and it really has this whole like mood all throughout and it's really, mm -hmm. really cool. And there is a thing in it where like um, like there's these characters that are quite clearly supposed to be like mob muscle, but mm -hmm. they're under the guise of paralegals, but they actually do know legal jargon, which I thought was really cool. So I was like, oh, yeah, sweet. So that's bringing it more into the modern age because you literally can't just kind of beat up people in the street and can't just be a crony and have that be your <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like nah i'm paralegal and uh what you said was slander <laughs> so watch yourself or we're gonna sue you and it's like oh oh that's oh the the suing is the threat oh okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i'm i'm looking at the the images of this for the first time uh online and and the the inks do look distinctly like 80s like yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't have quite have the vocabulary for it, but it's very, very scratchy and heavy blacks, and it's just, it's very cool. It reminds me of of a lot of of a lot of the um, oh god, I'm forgetting names, but like the 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 longbow hunters and and kind of subsequent Green Arrow stuff. Yeah, um, that oh, kind yeah, of yeah. that kind of dark criminal elements and and things like that. Yeah, and there's there's so much in there that I think is definitely like intriguing and I really love that everybody kind of, except for like, there's one of the cronies that looks exactly like the, the mayor, <laughs> which I got confused, <laughs> but otherwise everybody's really, really distinct, which I appreciate always, hmm. you know, it's that extra effort to, you know, make sure that's, you know, all your characters are distinct. So you're not con getting confused while you're reading it. Yeah. Okay. That was my issue with reading V for Vendetta, which is all about <laughs> oh, yeah. white British men. <laughs> it's like, right. who, who is talking to whom in this, in this panel? Just a sea of, of just similar faces. You know? <laughs> I also got really confused in the book because like at one point, like Victor Sage is like driving like a, a Volkswagen Beetle and it's like really like bumpy and clunky. I was like, what time does this take place? But he's looking at a video on his phone. So I was like, all right. So it's modern day. So it's not right. <laughs> we're not back in time. This is where I got confused. It's so weird. <laughs> so it's, it's definitely interesting. I, I'm definitely in for like noir and detective and, and I read a lot of stuff like that. And, and I a hundred percent hear you and it absolutely bump me as well. If it's like, eh, this is kind of a tropey thing. This is kind of a stereotype thing. This is relying on a little bit too much of, of things that, you know, that are too familiar. 
Um, but you know, if a story is good, then then sometimes I do forgive those things. Yeah. But is this is this in the normal DC or is this in Black Label? This is Black Label. Okay, so yeah. is it able to like stand on its own, or or does it like is it kind of in the in the mainstream canon? I think it's I think it's standalone, and I think it actually can stand on its own because it's also it's not in Gotham like where Renee Montoya was. It's in uh-huh. Hubble City, Hub City, something like that. So I do like that it's a little bit away from it. So it, it definitely doesn't seem like it's connected to the big bad world. It's very, um, you know, just this city, just this town type thing, which I think actually really helps it. Gotcha. it, it yeah. Looking into like, you know, secret society type stuff, which feels a little bit like, you know, Court of the Owls. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Interesting. But I mean, those those stories have been everywhere and they're also, you know, really big in, you know, noir detective stuff so i mean i get it they and and you know gabe's right there's there's a level of forgiveness whenever you're reading a noir type story yeah and and especially with lemire where like there will be things that are strong enough in the things that he's doing uniquely usually where if he's falling back on some other element that you know is a little bit tropish it's like eh, okay like there's there's you know, he's building on something or, you know, there's just one part of it that's just not as good as another part of it. But that part that's good is like, wow, this is really good yeah. and fun. Yeah, I think the, th- the main thing that sort of kind of leaves me on the fence with this story is that there's so many tiny little things that could like elevate this to like a sort of like an evolution of the noir style. Like it could be like, oh, you're taking this into the modern age. You're evolving it. You're adapting it into something new. This is a really great idea. But then it isn't seen all the way through or they go in a different direction to follow those tropes instead. It's almost like you're taking, you know, a step forward and then you're taking 10 steps back. And I think that's kind of why I've been very on the fence about it because I'm like, there's so much potential here. Gotcha. But, you know, that's always the kind of what you're going into when you have like a spin, uh, like a one off book like this. But Mm -hmm. I do... I do think that I will read the next one. I don't know how well, many to, volumes are in it. I think I think this like a lot of the black label stuff they've been doing like three issues max or maybe four. So like you might not have that much to read if you do continue reading it, uh, even if they are the you know magazine size like five dollars a pop or six dollars a pop or whatever they are. Yeah, I, I I don't remember how much this was. I bought it a while ago. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah it was seven dollars. Yeah, yeah. Because they're like that's well, so much money. Yeah, <laughs> but they're like they're longer, right? Because the the black label stuff, a lot of those books, they're like thicker. They're like sixty pages. I mean, and I don't know if that justifies this seven dollar price tag, but um, still, it's it's. It's interesting because they're they're trying some DC's trying some weird stuff. And, you know, I can't really fault them for that. It's just not all my cup of tea. Like all of the black label stuff that I've read, it's been pretty middling. But I don't know. Maybe I think other people have had much better like enjoyment out of some of that stuff. Like I haven't read the Catwoman Lonely City yet. I heard that that's really good. So who knows? Seven dollars. Um, you know how many jawbreakers I can get for that? <laughs> oh my God. Hey, Renee, have you read anything else before yes. we go too far down this candy lane? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing I read was uh, We Have Demons number one. Uh, which I just randomly saw in like Kindle Unlimited. So I just like kind of grabbed yeah. it. And when I read it, I was just like, what the f- actual fuck did I just read? Uh, <laughs> it's really bloody. It's messy. And, it's, and weirdly, it's about faith. So it's it's uh, the writer Scott Snyder, pencils by Greg Capullo, inks by, mm-hmm. I, sorry if I butcher this, Jonathan Glapian? Sure. Uh, colors by Dave McCaig and letters by Tom Napol. Oh, I'm so sorry. Napolitano. <laughs> Napolitano. Yeah. Thank you. I even practiced it beforehand so I wouldn't butcher it. And then I just <laughs> did not stick that lending. Apologies, Tom. Um, but 
this is definitely something to read if you've come from a conservative background or like a Bible based background and you've kind of pulled away from it. But like, mm. you know, it's you still have like those little inklings of what you've been taught and all that, because it's definitely comes from that sort of thing. It's like about this girl whose father was a pastor and, you know, she kind of like feels at some point that he's been lying to her. But also at the same time, you know, she's like, I don't really believe that same thing and all that. And like her, her father was also like a, uh, what is that called? Evolutionary theism or theist, theistic evolution. So it's an equal balance between, you know, theology and evolution. So it's like, oh yeah, I do believe that the big bang happened. And just, you know, those mm -hmm. millions of mm -hmm. years were, you know, putting that in the, we know who knows how God perceives time. So that could be the seven days of the week or the seven mm. days are also those billion years of time all that, you know, just God perceives time different than us. So it's like theistic evolution. So her dad was like a, a theistic evolutionist, like pastor in, in Florida or whatever. And she kind of moves a little bit away from the, from uh, the faith and also just like her dad's teachings. But also like she thinks that her dad's into like some crazy stuff because he like leaves for weeks at a time. And in his calendar, he just writes that he's going to hell. And, you know, he comes back with nice. like blood all over his clothes <laughs> and stuff like that. All this weird stuff. And then she finds out that her dad was a a demon slayer and he's just okay. been killed. so then she picks up his uh his magical axe and she has to go and kill her neighbors because they killed her dad and like she's like what? they're they're, <laughs> they're really good folk you know he's like you know he takes um he works at a nonprofit that helps uh blind kids and you know and in his off time he goes to this uh, nursery that takes care of manatees who have been made deaf from uh, boat sounds, you know, in the water. And, you know, she like, you know, helps find feral cats homes and, you know, all this kind of thing. You know, they're, they're very like, you know, she calls them or they, they're referred to as the Godkin people. So they're like the, oh, the super nice conservative people that they're the nicest person. They're so nice that when you look at them, you start to tear up because they're so nice. But then it turns out they're oh, fucking geez. demons. So, you know, <laughs> she's got to like, you know, rip their face through their rectum essentially oh which like it's okay. a it's a very graphic book and like they preface that on the, they're like look this isn't just a demon killing book this is like it's it's hardcore it's hardcore guts mayhem i mean greg i guess greg Topolo can draw that kind of stuff and I, I guess mean, oh, yeah. Scott uh, Snyder's my first thought a hundred percent is that you know the gore the the horror the the body, body, uh, whatever is, yeah, that's yeah. something that Capullo can do. I mean, yeah, this is, yeah. this is honestly, I've, I had a lot of fun reading this and I think I will continue to read the series. Not, I think I will. I will. I just, it's going to be a very slow burn for me. Um, sure. But I really like this book. <laughs> it's so weird. It's really weird, but it's, it's super fun. It's, I think it's what Blue Devil should be. Renee, I am I'm not surprised in the least at all because I, I feel like every time you're like, man, I read this weird book uh, and it's always about demons. Every single time it's about demons. I don't know what it is, man. <laughs> look, it, you <laughs> look, demons terrify me. Demons terrify uh -huh. me. So when there's a book about people killing demons, I'm like, great, I can sleep at night. There's a couple yeah. less demons in the world. All right. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I get also, that. There's, we're afraid of things, you know, instinctively, we're afraid of things that go bump in the night. So. Mm -hmm. That's True. what's out there. 
All right. Very true. I don't get on you every time you read X Men. No, Mike. Listen. I support <laughs> hey, you. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I support you. I only ask for the same thing in return. We support your fear of magnets, Mike. <laughs> all right, all right. You know what? Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, well, let me talk about some books that I read. I've I've been crazy busy. Uh, I'm making the mistake um, in trying to stress my body out to its maximum by trying to find a house to buy. Um, don't recommend that if anybody's <laughs> trying to just like have a calm life. Um, but beyond that, I read a handful of books um, when I haven't been playing Pokemon Arceus because I can't stop. That game is so addicting. Nice. But I did read uh, Secret X-Men number one. This is by Tini Howard with art by Francisco uh, Mobili. The, the core of this book is what if a group of X-Men who didn't win the X-Men election became a team of their own, but they don't remember it? Question mark. Um, minor spoilers, I guess, for the series. But um, the, the story revolves around uh, Sunspot, Cannonball, Tempo, Banshee, Strong guy boom boom armor marrow and forge who were all up for the potential x-men election and i think elect- elections plural that have happened where you know the x-men voted who's going to become the newest member of the x-men and end up being polaris and all of these guys didn't win and so the opening of the story is sunspot uh robert roberto de costa sending an email out to everybody who didn't win he's just like what if like he was super drunk he's like what if we were an x-men team we'd be great wouldn't we and that's kind of the joke of the story so when somebody comes to to sunspot and says hey i need you to help me with this mission um he says yeah i got just the team don't you worry i'll get it all figured out <laughs> and so he brings this group of people and they're like wait roberto you were serious you actually want to make a team um uh, and then they end up in a situation where uh they're forced to forget that they were a team and it's it's a very interesting concept for a story i think this is a one shot maybe it was a number one i don't know but yeah this book is a lot of fun like Tini Howard, I think, has had some ups and downs in her writing for the X-Men. I think some of her Excalibur stuff is interesting and some of it is not so interesting. Um, But I'm excited to see what she does with this book because while the core idea of this book is really contrived, like it's kind of clunky in the way that the story comes together, the end all bit of who she's who they're working for and what's actually going to happen um is really exciting to me. And it kind of reminds me of Hellions in a way where there's like this offshoot team of x-men characters that no one really cares about completely and they're kind of doing their own thing they're all kind of um a personality type a people who are like clashing and they all have different you know previous relationships and some of them are on the new mutants and some of them are new folks and some of them are banshee sean cassidy who's like one of the original x-men or armor who's like one of the young x-men and i i think that the the mishmash of characters is really exciting and the potential of like oh they're gonna forget what happened every time they go on this team outing thing together has a lot of potential to be fun and i i I think that's what the x-men line needs in general is they need another hellions book or hellions like book that's actually fun and can goof off and can make mistakes and um yeah i really really want to see more of this book um like i said i can't remember if it's a number one or if that was a one shot i'm pretty sure it was like a if you guys like this you better buy it kind of thing <laughs> so we'll we'll see if it goes anywhere but i'm i'm really really liked this book overall isn't that all comics <laughs> Well, I mean, yes, but <laughs> I think Marvel intentionally like published it in a weird way to be like, this might become a thing. We'll see about it. But or maybe it was like a precursor to another thing. But I, I overall really like the story. So I'm excited to see if they do more with this this big mishmash of, of characters. How old is Banshee now? I don't, well, with the resurrection protocols, right? Like you're it doesn't matter, right? If he's 55 or 105. But I don't know. It's it's weird because this you bring up a great question of like when someone dies and gets resurrected on Krakoa, 
what age do they come back as? <laughs> you know, like what, how old is their body? You know, because like they artificially age the bodies because like, if you, you know, if you've been reading X-Men, you know that gold balls, he can tech his all of his little weird balls that he pr- cr- produces are actually eggs that can be filled in with DNA and then grow new people. <laughs> It's really, it's really gross when you think about it. What was the other thing you read, Mike? Good God! Oh yeah, let's. Uh, we'll just move on. What the uh, fuck? Thanks. I, I have no context for X Men, so that was just oh, incredible. Wow, that was so much fun. I was like trying to like build these worlds in my head and like just listening to the theater of the mind that was the description oh of God. gold balls creating DNA clones. And oh man, uh-huh. that was fun. Somehow, I think explaining what Rakugo is is going to be easier than explaining. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Uh, speaking of that, so the other book that I want to talk about really quick is a book that came out called Akane Banashi. Uh, this is written by, this came out from Shonen Jump. It's their new, one of their new debut series from uh, on the Shonen Jump app. So if you're, you know, looking to where you can read this or you want to look it up, you have to either have a Shonen Jump subscription. I think this, this issue is actually free. This chapter is free on their website. Um, but yeah, this is written by Yuki uh, Tsunaga with art by Tamakasa Mue. And I don't know. It's interesting to see a book like this that is about something not just like he's a super action powered thing who wears a cape and he can shoot lasers out of his fingers. Like the story of Akane Banashi is about a young girl whose dad is a Rakugo who is someone that performs this verbal style of entertainment um, where they are sitting on the ground. They can only use a paper fan and a small cloth as props and without standing or anything, they tell this story from a specific sitting position um that's usually like a long conversation or a complicated comical or sometimes sentimental story and if you're saying how can you do a comic book about that i had that same exact question when i went into this but there is something really special about i think the way that folks when they make a, a story like this specifically for shonen jump which is aimed at you know teenage readers um and specifically like teenage boy readers i guess like i don't know that that split is kind of becoming weaker as time goes on but regardless a story about something like that does not seem to fit in the same category as something like my hero academia or dragon ball right and yet they are published in the same magazine and i find that when you read a story like this you can tell that the creator spent a lot of time trying to forge their story about this i want to say i call it a soft thing but that's not the right way to describe it but this less like intense action-oriented story they take a lot of the tropes from other shonen manga of like the of a revenge aspect or a moment of suspense drawn you know based off of drama and and built up storytelling suspense and they make it work for a story that's just about a young girl who sees her father fail and she immediately says well you know what if they're gonna they're gonna screw my dad over they're not gonna screw me over like that and she gets really hyped up and you kind of read it and you feel super inspired and yeah this this first chapter really sets itself up in a way in like a non-action specific focus that adds this like i said this classic like shonen layer of drive for a protagonist um akane to avenge her father that's like the built-in idea but it's all revolved around this thing called rakugo which is this storytelling thing and this story overall reminds me of something like a uh, Chihaya Furu or Hikaru no Go, where there isn't like people fighting and drama and like you're my rival and blah blah blah. There's just a real slice of life feel to the entire story, but 
even that can be suspenseful and exciting. And I really think this book has potential to be really good. Um, I haven't read the second chapter yet. It came out today as we're recording February 20th, you know, when the new releases come out on Sunday in the Shonen Jump app. So I'm excited to read it. But I really, really liked what I saw of the first issue or first chapter. So I'm definitely excited to pick this one up. Yeah, I I agree completely, totally agree, because it's another sort of non-battle manga, such as like, like, you know, what Sugubi Oba and Takeshi Obata did with Bakuman and Mm -hmm. Maybe not so much with Death Note because there was a lot of actual like conflict in there, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it has that that sort of like fun things that we did see we have seen in a couple other manga like uh, Mike said like Hikaru Nogo and like I said Bakuman. There are a couple others. Um, there's also another one that's out right now, Shoha Shoten. That's about like uh, comedy duos in they're like comedians. They're trying to be comedians essentially. Mm. Um, in Japan, and so that actually has the artist that worked on Bakuman, uh, Takeshi Obata. So that's also another oh, nice. good series that's uh, on the Shonen Jump app. But I agree with you 100%, Mike. I'm really excited to see where this manga goes. Yeah, I think that like this book set itself up and reminded me of all the niceties that made things like the books that we've you know talked about, Kado no Go, Furu. Um, like there's a softness to it, but in a way that is like I don't know it 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 still fits in the magazine overall. Like there's still the elements that make a good shonen manga in this story, but it's about something that's not just fighting and screaming and action powers and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, really excited to see where this book goes. I know it's chapter one and it's kind of a bad idea to get excited about a chapter one um, because you never know how things are going to go. But (laughs) um, I think this one has legs and I, I really hope that they continue to drive that that same feeling as the story goes on so yeah and there's something to be said with with non-battle manga like this because the art has to really breathe and really sort of emphasize something especially when you're learning about it for from like the you're learning about it for the first time you know Mm -hmm. you don't Mm -hmm. know what rakugo is or you don't know a lot about you know making manga or you don't know too much about go or shogi um, you know, they're explaining it to you as you go along. So the art really has to sort of capture it and create this big, you know, uh, mural for you to just sort of be captivated by. So I think that's actually mm-hmm. what I love about stories like this because it's, uh, it's, you know, they don't have to follow that battle manga formula. They're sort of making mm-hmm. it up as they go along. And I think that there's a lot of avenues to explore there. Definitely. Definitely. I have a question for you guys, just based yeah. on some of the rec- the things that we've been talking about. Um, there's been a there's been a couple of number ones come up, and like a, a couple of times, you both have said like, "Oh, I hope that this this story ends up being good." So, like, what what <laughs> yeah. um what makes you take the risk in picking up a number one? Like, oh, boy. what what like you see? Like, what is your thought process for for? for taking a new comic. I mean, for me, like I, the, the one that I brought up is, you know, it's, it's a Watchmen sequel and I'm, I follow the, the, the author pretty closely. So this isn't mm-hmm. like a huge risk, but like picking up something cold, you know, especially if it's in a, you know, for me, I don't read a lot of manga. I don't, I, I'm totally outside of that world, but like, like are these big risks that you guys are picking up with these number ones? Or is this something that like, you know, is it? And like, what is your thought process going into that? Like, I'm always kind of interested. 
No, no, I, I totally love this game because I think the thing that makes the, especially trying Shonen Jump number ones, right? Like I talked about Secret X-Men number one, that's that's something else, right? But specifically when we're talking about comics being published by uh, Viz slash uh, Seshua, who is the Japanese publisher of a lot of these books, um, or Kadansha, right? They have their own kind of online service is that uh, Renee and I subscribe to the $2 a month Shonen Jump app, right? Right. And that means that I can read all of these new number ones as part of my subscription. Right. Okay. Um, So the risk is just time is just do I want to spend my time on this story? The thing that makes all of this really interesting is that personally, I think there is a level of trust that I provide to the Shonen Jump editorial staff to say this book wouldn't be in the magazine if they didn't think it had legs. Right. Yeah. Whereas like the problem with Marvel and DC and stuff is I don't trust the editorial folks <laughs> to actually put out a story that is uh, super high quality if only because i think that there is a level of like this is just a big business trying to make their buck you know and i don't want I don't, not to say that you know the folks over in japan aren't trying to do that because they 1000 percent are but they're not trying to make their buck on the single issues or single chapters right they're trying to make the buck their buck on the tankoban the collected editions and any kind of merchandising that can come from beyond the story that fuels that so there is like this inherent like understanding that this number one this first chapter isn't where they're making their money and the only reason they'd be pushing it on me is because they want me to read it for another hundred chapters right and and so like there's there's like this thing of like they're investing in this this creator to try to tell this book and of course if the popularity polls that this book doesn't work they cancel it they move on they've there's a thousand new number ones they could slot in you know so i don't know like i I personally i feel like there's a level of trust so i'm like willing to try a new number one from shonen jump because one there's so few of them right like they only publish like 25 regular books at a time you know compared to marvel and dc's like almost 50 each so yeah i personally just like i trust shonen jump to actually deliver some quality stuff and it doesn't hurt that i don't buy those books shonen jump isn't going to shut down if i don't read all 50 of or 25 of the number ones that come out or all the 25 stories if i only read one piece or i only read my hero academia or only read a couple of them it's fine because that's all they want because they know that any of those properties could launch their own multi-million dollar franchise um, off be- just because the the way that comics are you know handled in Japan, which is differently. But anyways, that gets beyond your question. Um, Renee, I, what, what are your thoughts on this? Why do you try new number ones from the Shonen Jump app? Um, I like a snappy title. I look for uh, – <laughs> I look. I like the – sometimes the art intrigues me and uh, most of the time when there's a new title, they have a little blurb and they'll have a summary about what the series is. And if it sounds interesting, I will read the number one and uh, that's pretty much what gets me into it. You know, snappy title, interesting summary and then uh, I'm like, you know what? If I like the number one, I will keep reading it and if I don't, I'm like, yeah, whatever. And, you know, and, and it's them, so low risk. Yeah. Right? And sometimes those series – you know, become huge hits. Like I read uh, Jujutsu Kaisen and I stopped, you know, but it's still going. So, you know, yeah. it's it's some people's cup of tea and sometimes it's not. But like Mike said, you know, it's uh, it doesn't like I pay that two dollars for the service and I can read any of those chapters, you know, so it's always there. It's it's a lot different than going into a comic book store or going on Kindle or Comixology and having to drop three to nine dollars on a book. Um, because all those mm-hmm. titles are available. So it is, it's definitely very different. Whereas like if I was scrolling through those other options or going through a comic shop, I'm going to be a little bit more picky. I'm going to flip through the pages. I'm going to read the summary. I'm going to see who's writing it, all these other things. But um, mm-hmm. end all be all, 
snappy title and a good cover and I'll probably buy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I th- yeah, I think that that's super cool that you guys have that much trust in that company. And I wonder, you know, if it is if it is one of the risks of at, of getting too big as a publisher. And, you know, there's, you know, a thousand other rewards to getting too big as a publisher that, you know, outweigh it. But like you do lose a little bit of that or, or maybe you don't, you know, because I think that there probably are a lot of people that will just pick up. Uh, a DC or Marvel comic because it is X-Men or because it is Batman mm-hmm. or, or whatever, or Superman, whatever. Um, but I think for me personally, I've been burned by so many bad big two titles that I'm like, I'm, I'm very hesitant to pick new things up. Totally. Yeah. That's, that's actually where I was. That's why I've, I've pretty predominantly been reading manga over the past, I'd say 10 years is because I was just really burned after you know, the, the new 52 and then the reboot and then the rebirth and Mm -hmm. then whatever the Mm -hmm. hell else they came out with. It was like, (laughs) it was like four things right in a row. And I was like, why I have to keep, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And then I was like, you know what? Instead of having to be like, there was a a meme I saw where they were like, Oh, where should you pick up if you want to read green lantern? And it's like, Oh, you should read this, but also read this, but also read this. Also, this is a good one. And then it's like, Hey man, I heard this manga is good. Where do I start? Volume number one, number one. Yeah, Yeah. 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 I mean, and that's the perfect thing. And the the other thing is there are – I'm looking at my bookshelf. There are – all of my favorite series are on the bookshelf and they are quite literally – there's probably 30 series on that on my bookshelves. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a, a ton of hits there that I, one, found but also like just like to keep coming back to. Whereas with DC and Marvel, it's it's a hot mess to keep going around and jumping around, not to mention t- creative teams switch up constantly and sometimes those teams make great runs and sometimes they don't Mm -hmm. whereas like with manga most of the time it's either written by the same person or by the same team yeah it's a there's like oh man there's like so much to unpack here about this but i think that like that scratches the surface i guess (laughs) yeah (laughs) i hope i hope that answers no no no. i think that that was great i i you know like i said i i'm very hesitant so it really in order for me to pick up a number one of anything it has to be it has to pass through a lot of filters where it's like, okay, like somebody needs to recommend it to me or I need to read a good review of it. It needs to be an art style that I like. It needs to be a writer that I at least am aware of and, you know, hasn't written something that I don't like in the past. Um, Right. Right. And then it needs to be like, it needs to be the logical starting point for it. Um, Which is why I, I tend to gravitate towards graphic novels because it's like with Rorschach, for example, it's like, well, there's 12 issues, you know, mm-hmm. with Omega Men, with Be- Sheriff of Babylon, with Visions. It's like, what's well, these issues? Right, right. You know, all the and those are all Tom King. Uh, so. So, yeah, it takes me a lot. Yeah. And I and I follow writers around. I, I will read something because it is. So I, I will read that question one because it's Jeff Lemire. And, and yeah. you know, like I said, that there are some things that I, I don't trust about him. Like I just read his Joker. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, there were some things that were cool about it, but there are things yeah. that were just like, this is just another typical Joker story, man. Like, right. uh, like there's some super cool things in there, but they just didn't capitalize on all of them. Um, so I, I, I've, I think what I'm saying is just kind of a repetition of like I've been burned a lot, so it's it's mm-hmm. hard for me to to jump in. So yeah. I think that it's cool, and and that's one of the things about um, you know, just uh these types of business models and promotion and advertising in general is that like, once you're, once you get through the, the process of creating a user and get through that, that, uh, that wall or that filter of like, all right, I'm putting $2 a month down for this. Like, 
then you um, you have somebody that um, as a as a publisher as a writer you have an audience that is trusting you. So there's that pressure there, but there's also mm-hmm. a little bit of that um, of that um, relief there, where it's like okay, like they signed up because of your previous work, they want to see you continue doing that work. Now just keep doing that, and um, it's not necessarily about like trying to find the next big thing trying to find the next way in uh it is with a lot of other mainstream stuff yeah 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 there's a I, you know i want to take a quick break um there's a lot to be said about <laughs> this thing because we do eventually need to get pile. picks yeah we still need to get to that so let's take a quick break when we come back we're going to talk about what's on the top of our pile we're going to talk a little bit more about uh gabe's kickstarter maybe we'll touch a little bit more on this uh this number one debacle um because again there's <laughs> there's totally there's so much more to say about it so let's take a quick break we'll be right back Let's get right back into things. We we did a little bit of talking during the break, settled some of our differences about manga <laughs> and a whole bunch of other things. You know, um, this is why you should come listen live, hang out with us in Discord, so you can hear all of these very very extremely flaming hot Cheetos types take uh, type takes. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about comic books that we're excited for. Let's get into the top of our pile picks for this week. I guess let's. I'm going to pitch things back over to Renee. Uh, what are you excited for? What are you reading next? Uh, so at the top of my pile, it's a little bit of an older series, uh, like a year or two, uh, but it's also written by Tom King. Uh, it's Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, art by, I don't know how to say this. Is it Bilky Elwes? Bilquis? Bilkees? Yeah, you got Bil- it. You got it. Okay. And then uh, colors by uh, Matt Lopez. I think it's Mateus. I don't know. It's Portuguese, and I don't speak Portuguese. But okay. shout out to the colors because they look bomb. And so it's Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. And it's like a Carazorel going out on a space adventure. And I'm really interested in this book because it appears to be like a stepping stone for Supergirl, which is something I've always wanted to see. I've always been a huge fan of like passing the torch and like next generation stories. Cause I'm like, they, you know, the teen Titans can't stay teens forever. And, you know, Caribbean Supergirl when she was 15 was fine, but you know, she's starting to become an adult. Maybe we should get, you know, an updated name or something. And that kind of looks like that's what this book is. It's, you know, cool. You know, whether she's going to become Flamebird or something else, I really want to see that. It's a story I've always wanted to happen specifically for Supergirl. Like since I saw the old Supergirl movie back when I was a kid, I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I was like, let's do it. So I have been very interested in this book, and I think it's it absolutely needs to be the next thing that I need to read if I'm going to read a Western comic. <laughs> well, you know, on top of the massive pat- piles of manga. But no, I remember this book um, when it was started to come out. It was like eight-issue series, all right? So yeah. it's like, I remember that iconic cover of her with the sword, and I don't, I've never seen a Superman-ish character with a sword before, so what's that even about? Like, right? that, that is enough for me yeah. to want to try this book. It, it reminded me of that when... That cover is pretty incredible. It reminded yeah. me when Gohan has the sword in uh, Dragon Ball Z, and I was like, yeah. all right, all right, in Dragon Ball Z, the sword broke, but, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen with Supergirl. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. I love the uh, synchronicity of us all in this podcast. You're bringing up, I, I brought up another Tom King, you brought up a Tom King. Uh, <laughs> there, We're talking about the question who is um, the, the prototype for Rorschach from the old um, Colton comics. <laughs> there's just a lot of, there's a lot of connections here going on. This is yeah. great. Yeah, all, all comics are the same. It's what it <laughs> turns out to be. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, Gabe, what about you? What's what's on the top of your pile? So I'm making my way through uh, Daredevil, uh, the Chip Zdarsky run. Um, It was one of my New Year's resolutions to get through his run on Daredevil. So I have number three at the top of my pile, volume three at the top of my pile, more accurately. Um, uh, The the illustrator for it is uh, Marco Cicchetto. I'm genuinely liking it, um, but it's proving to be a little bit harder to get through than I'd anticipated. Um, I love his take on the characters of Daredevil and Kingpin. The art is fantastic, but I'm finding the story to be pretty slow. Um, I'm kind of losing track of it as we're going through it. Um, There's a lot going on, and he's definitely taking his time. So this is a problem that I've had with a lot of kind of ongoing series in the big two on on very well-established characters. And it, it is why I tend to uh, gravitate towards the graphic novels and, and I'll, I'll kind of also use them as a palate cleanser. Like, okay, I've dedicated all this time to reading an entire run on Daredevil or Batman or something. And then, okay, like now I'm going to read like a book that I know has a beginning, middle and end. But uh, that being said, I, I like it and I'm determined to finish it. Yeah. Yeah. How many, how many volumes is in this run? Do you know? Six, I think. So this is the Maybe same, seven. Is this the same one where uh, Elektra becomes Daredevil? Later in the series? Yes. Okay, I, oh, yeah. I am also on this journey right with you, Gabe, and I have the exact <laughs> same thoughts and feelings. Yeah. <laughs> Danny in the chat is saying that it it's worth the read. Like, I'm guessing that the end pays off. So, you know, I think you're on the right track. Stick with it. We all believe in you. <laughs> I believe it. I believe that the that it's worth it because Chip Zdarsky has, has rarely led me astray. But it is like, yeah. it seems like he maybe had a story that was, that could have been told in... 50 volumes instead of 100 or whatever it is you know it's like <laughs> there's just a lot there's a lot and but and a lot of it is good but there is a lot yeah yeah i think our friend gotcha. brian said so brian who's been on the show he said this about neil gaiman but i think it's also uh works for chip Zdarsky that man will not use five words when 50 will do <laughs> <laughs> and uh i think i think also this book i think it is like sort of the precursor because i think like the next big crossover event is a daredevil thing so i think it could potentially lead into that unless i'm wrong which maybe you know danny says six leads into devil's reign which i think is or into yeah something like that um i don't know i don't know enough about daredevil to to speak to this but this has been on my to read list for a while like since it all came out so i i very much want to check it out um but it sounds to me like it's it's gonna be um definitely a labor of love (laughs) to to get through mike Um, tell us about your tom king book yeah, so uh, I, so before I get into what's on the top of my pile for this week, uh, spoilers, it is the human target number five. Uh, I do want to shout out our buddy Danny, who's hanging out with us during the recording. Uh, his pick this week is Supermassive, which I believe is the big crossover event that's happening over at Image with Radiant Black and Radiant Red and all those Kyle Higgins books that are coming out. Uh, his not Power Rangers, Power Rangers story that's honestly it's okay it's good it's bad you know every week or every month is a toss-up on whether it's going to be your favorite book or your least favorite book of the week but um it's still pretty good and i'm excited to see where this big crossover event goes because it looks big and dumb and super heroic-y um but at least it's not the big two trying to do it and i think that like we'll see higgins has got he's he's done all right he's done pretty well with that book I think that's who I was on that book. But anyways, my my picks for this week are books that I'm excited for. I actually have two breaking my own rules. Um, the Human Target number five. This is by Tom King, Greg Smallwood. Um, the the reason I'm picking this book is because Greg Smallwood's art is so beautiful. I have I can't find a book on the shelves right now that is better looking than this one. If you want to be attracted to every single person that shows up on the page, pick up the Human Target. <laughs> if you want to fall in love with the the idea of like 
what a 50s era spy novel story come to life in a comic book based in the modern day would be read this book like this this to me feels like everything that i love about you know like old style james bond and it just like the idea like the romance the romantic side of the james bond stuff not the you know misogyny and you know all that other stuff that makes those things not great but just like that johnny quest um or venture brothers style of like there's a lot of just conglomerations and spy not or spy agencies and things and people smoking cigarettes and drinking whiskey like there is this idea of what makes a spy story quote unquote cool in your head from like a really simplistic side or way. And I think Tom King nails that with this human target story. Um, the big question of who done it is, is there and it's ever present in the way that he and Greg Smallwood work together to create this beautiful, just like slow paced, but very pointedly directioned book um, is fantastic. And there, there, especially number four, there was a couple panels in this book where I just, I like wanted to cry. They were so beautiful. And like the art's not complicated. It's not like these big masterpiece like wall murals. It's just the way that Smallwood is able to capture human emotion in the faces that he draws is unparalleled. Can't recommend this book enough. It's going to be one of the best books you can buy and to put on your shelf in the future just from a damn that's a good looking book standpoint. <laughs> Um, I don't know if the story is going to actually pay off, but fuck, it's beautiful. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know. Greg Smallwood, I remember him from Dream Thief. I was, I mean, I was thinking about that when I put this down. I was like, I know Renee's going to bring oh, up Dream I Thief. I love the hell out of that book because Greg Smallwood yeah. is amazing. Also, his unique perspective for doing panels, I think, is mm-hmm. unmatched in other artists that are out here today, other than maybe uh, Hirohiko Araki, who's been doing it for like, you know, 30 years. But other sure. than that, well, this book definitely doesn't doesn't follow that. No, it's very, <laughs> it's very it's very straightforward, but that lends to the cinematic feel of the entire book, and I don't think that that's a negative. I think they a lot of the nine panel grid stuff that they've done is very intentional for the look and feel of the entire book, and it super works. Um, so, Human Target number five, really excited about that. The other book I want to talk about really quick is Step by Bloody Step number one. Um, this is Simon Spurrier on writing, art by Matthias uh, Varaga. Uh, or Bergara, excuse me, um, Colors by Matt Lopez. This is a really interesting book because it's a fantasy epic that has no dialogue. It's a four-issue miniseries. There's no writing in it, like no dialogue, uh, which I think is a really interesting idea. We get silent issues all the time, but I don't know, like to go into a series and say, we're going to be silent is incredible. And it's a mega-sized issue. Thank you, Danny, for that information. It's going to be really cool. I trust Cy Spurrier. I think he's a pretty solid writer. Um, and I'm always willing to try something new that he's doing. I didn't read the book that he did with uh, Mateus Bergara uh, called Coda, but I heard good things, at least from like an art perspective. It looked good. So I'm excited to see what they do with this book. It's coming out from Image. So, you know, it's got to be something good, a little bit, right? Um, oh, my God. But yeah. I'm excited. A lot of good books coming out. Um, Those two, I'm so hyped by. But I guess before we wrap up the show here, um, I do want to talk a little bit more about this Kickstarter game that you've got going on. Um, Renee, I didn't give you a chance to talk about it when we started the episode. So I guess like, you know, Gabe, you sent over the book to us. We took a look at it and it's it's super fantastic. Uh, Renee, what were your thoughts? Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, So first of all, um, there's so many things I wrote. I wrote a list <laughs> of it, but um, Renee thank has you. I really appreciate it. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's so there's so many things. One, I want a perfect cheeseburger machine. Uh, yes. Obviously, oh, yeah. I want to know more <laughs> about the world with all the cats. 
Um, <laughs> the cats? You mean the the the, the dogs and the in the fedoras driving classic cars? I mean that one too. Yes, I did have that. The nineteen fifties <laughs> Manhattan with animals. Hell yes. Well, the, all right. The well, we don't have to spoil volleyball. all the little cool all things about this book, but. <laughs> but like I'm. Or sorry, they weren't cats. They were bunnies. The rabid bunnies world. Oh, that one. I, I'll, Actually, I got. I'll tell you off the air what that is because that's a bit of a spoiler. That's beautiful. I, I actually, I had such a fun time reading this. I was actually really sad when I when it was done, um, yeah. which is a feeling yeah. that I absolutely love. Um, yeah. Also, full Monty shout out, hell yeah! Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm also an absolute sucker for stories about brothers. I have uh, four brothers, so I'm from a big family, and we're all very close. So anytime there's a story about brothers. I love it. There's a, also there's so much storytelling within each panel. The red bearded man. One, I absolutely love <laughs> the construction of those panels. The coloring is brilliant. Everything. There's so much little add-ons all throughout. I think that this is wonderful storytelling. Uh, you beautiful bastard. I love it. I'm a fan. So, uh, <laughs> Thank well, you so. I mean, like the yeah. I'll tell you about the that one. I mean, I, I'm. I was so excited for that full Monty reference too. That was just one of those things where it just, it weirdly came to me like the names of the, of the assassins. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I hate being that pretentious writer. That was like, I don't know where these ideas came from. But like <laughs> when I was writing the assassins, I was like, well, what should their names be? And for some reason I was just struck with, well, Skippy and Dynamo should be their names. <laughs> it's like, all right, those are their names. <laughs> like there's no reason for that. But, and there's no reason for that very, for that full Monty joke in there too i just like i i i so appreciate that you that you picked up on that so thank you for that and um and the red bearded man is um i'm uh, that i'm just so excited for that page because i was thinking like okay like you know there's there's a couple pages where they're traveling through parallel dimensions but how do you take that up a notch like how like after the 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 moment where things become more intense um at the midpoint like you you can't just repeat going through more pages because I've already done that. So how do I how do I ratchet that up, both in the in the importance of the story and you know what Sanzio and Raphael are discussing as they're going through that area, and also like what can I do what can I do that is also within the world of parallel universes, but is not what the reader has just seen two pages ago. And it's like and 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 th- so thank you for saying all those things about it because I, I I worry that I didn't accomplish it in that in that page. Um, so I, I appreciate that feedback very, very much. Oh yeah, absolutely. Also, I love, there's so much storytelling going on throughout. Like there's the things that they're saying, the things that they're doing, there's even like all those subtle things, like even the different way that they, I, I called it the, the sled. I know it's just like SLD. I don't know if that was intentional for it to be sort of like that. Um, but the device that they're using, the way that the brothers use it differently, I really like Yeah, shows, you know, sort of how they are. And also the, the use of color when they're talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah thank you. Hell yeah. <laughs> Th- thank you so much. I mean, and, and that I, I wish that I could take credit for the colors, but it's, it's all Elisa. She's, she's absolutely incredible. And then just the idea of, of that part. And it's, it, so that's in the, the end of the story. So I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, the idea that this seeing the same thing, but from different perspectives, the idea of, 
you know, the, within ourselves, our different, per, different perspectives of ourselves. We think that we're losers. We think that we will, will never, um, will never accomplish anything in our lives. But at the same time on, on, at the same moment, sometimes we can think that we're the greatest person ever and that, you know, that we're killing it in our lives. And those two different, sometimes, sometimes invalid, but sometimes valid versions of ourselves live in our heads at the same time. And so there's parallel versions of ourselves living in, in one body. And, and that, and that being exposed in a way and that being spoken about and that being shown was was really, really the, what kind of what I was trying to accomplish with this story. And the fact that it is about brothers, I, I have an older brother and then I have um, uh, how many of them are there? Two, two half brothers um, and two half sisters and one full sister. So, um, yeah, so that sibling dynamic that that um, that relationship was really, really important is important to me in my daily life and is important to me that I, that I got it onto the page. So, so thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was a fun read. Um, I do have only one more question. Why specifically daffodils? It's a Futurama reference. <laughs> all right, all right, that's all I want. Diggity daffodil. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I I hope that everybody, you know, uh, like Gabe, you know, I, I think you said it a bunch. You know, this is really exciting. This this book is is fantastic. So thank you so much for you know letting me and Renee uh, check it out before you know the Kickstarter finished and stuff like that. So for Absolutely. anyone out there who wants to understand all of these strange questions that we're throwing at Gabe, you really should go <laughs> support the Kickstarter. We'll put a link to it for uh, the problem with parallels. Uh, we'll put a link to the Kickstarter. You can go out there and grab a digital version. Are you guys doing a print edition? Like, what are all the Kickstarter rewards that folks can look forward to? So it's uh, digital uh, and print. With the digital, you also get my other comics um, for Molly, number one, uh, Love at First Bite, which is another one shot, and Into the Wilderness, which is a one shot that's also a four Molly tie in. Um, I have some cool digital rewards as far as I'm going to do an audio commentary for it. Um, and then I have uh, a couple of my friends in the indie comics community have graciously donated their their comics to the digital bundle. So there's a lot of cool digital awards on there. Um, yeah, print comic. There's a print comic with uh, the variant cover by my sister Izzy at Izzy Chang Art. And then there's there's stickers which are for which is actually um, the the logo of my podcast, Another Lousy Millennium, that Raf the main character is wearing on his shirt. So it's uh, because I, I the, did notice that <laughs> <laughs> because the comic is a Futurama reference. It's in my homage to Futurama. He he's wearing the, the Futurama podcast shirt. Um, so that's, that's the connection there. And so the, those stickers are available. Also the, the cheeseburger night, perfect cheeseburger, che- perfect cheeseburger maker that Renee mentioned a moment ago <laughs> um, from the comics that is available as a magnet. There's a, there's the logo for that on the Kickstarter. Oh my God. Cool. And then um, what are the other things? Uh, well, the other things are the, um, the stretch goal rewards there. I have my support indie comics sticker, which is part of all of my campaigns. But then I have a friend of mine who's an artist on uh, a professional background artist. She works on solar opposites um, and she did postcards of two of the parallel universes in the comic. So from those places, the first one that you can see on the, on the Kickstarter page now is dinosaur beach. So there's a postcard from dinosaur beach that you can get um, when we get to that, that goal. And then the second one is another parallel universe that I'm, I'm going to reveal um, in a, in about a week. 
Gotcha. Ooh. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, everyone should go check this out because like like Renee and I have both said, this is a lot of fun. Um, it's a really cool book. Um, and Gabe, yeah, I don't know. Any any last thoughts about about this or anything else you want to plug before we wrap things up? Um, yeah, just um just thank you so much for having me on. Um, thank you for for all the feedback on the book. I, I really appreciate it. I mean, this has been um this has been a really fun book to write. It is, like I said, my Futurama my Futurama homage. Some things are flat out ripped off, like the uh, like the daffodil uh, mm-hmm. joke in there that that you mentioned, which I'm I'm proudly ripping off. <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm just ex- I'm excited for this book. I, I really am, and and because it, it was a lot of fun to write it, and it was a lot of fun to make the rewards for it, but also just uh, Elisa is just at the top of her game. This is just this is just incredible what she's done mm-hmm. with the with the lines and colors in this book. It is it is absolutely beautiful. There's so many things in there that that people say, oh, I love this. I live this. And I, I have to say like a hundred percent, it is her. Like the whole first panel or second panel on the first page where you see this, this uh, parallel universe that, that Raphael is living in. You know, I, I wrote a, a description where it was like Futurama and the Jetsons and things like that. But like so much of it, she just took it and ran. And it, it's just, it's a third of the page and it is just gorgeous. And yeah. it is this beautiful sun sunrise too. And you know the the city is on tears, and it's uh, like which was completely her idea. There's people in jetpacks, which it's everything about it is so beautiful. Every panel was so great, and um and I, I just I love working with her. She's she's an incredible talent. Whose idea yeah. was the uh, his house being in black and white? That was kind of my idea, yeah, because <laughs> there was it's not a hundred percent in black and white, but there's the idea that that so at the very beginning, this is not a spoiler. This is how the story starts. Roth. Um, has gone into another parallel universe where things are perfect because things were not great in his. So he mm-hmm. went out searching for one and he found one that's perfect. But so there's, I wanted his apartment with L9, his robot wife, to feel like like he was living in a place that he didn't belong in. Like mm. it was like right out of a design catalog or it was a very fancy hotel. Like there's nothing particularly homey about it like there was nothing like it felt like a home because he didn't really belong there he was just kind of just trying to dropped himself in there and um and uh and it didn't quite fit so so yeah that was that was something that was that was intentional gotcha yeah i gotcha. I, I noticed that i was like oh it's it's a very i love lucy i, I do really like that <laughs> yeah, yeah it's she is uh l9 the robot robot wife is based on um elizabeth olsen in the first couple episodes of wandavision slash yeah, mary yeah. tyler moore so yeah i'm uh i'm i'm glad you picked up on that yeah really cool uh well i guess beyond that I, gabe where can folks find you on the internet if they have any questions about this so they just want to reach out and say what's up my website is gabechancomics.com and i'm on instagram and twitter at gabechancomics cool well i'll make sure to have links to those in the show notes uh for everyone who's listening next week we've got a book of the month coming up for february we did like a you pick based on a theme type of thing and uh kate kara and i will be talking about one of the books that was nominated in the group uh called in the pines five murder ballads which i think is like a it's a it's like a series of short stories all about murder i'm very excited about that um and as always you know you can follow us on twitter you can follow renee at rodriguez 29 you can follow me at mike rappin and you can follow the show on twitter instagram tiktok at ircb podcast this episode first aired on patreon and it's possible because of our wonderful patrons join today for exclusive series like ircb movie club saga saga and so much more you can join now at patreon.com slash ircb podcast 
And if you haven't already, please rate and review our show five stars. That's it. And nothing less. Uh, we deserve it. <laughs> Make sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Join the IRCB Discord community to chat comics and more. Plus, you can listen to our episodes live as we record every week. There's a link to our Discord link in the show notes. Podcasts grow best when they're spread by word of mouth. So why not tell your friends, family, and local comic shop about IRCB? It's probably the nicest thing you could do this week uh infinity shred is the best band in the universe they do all of our music xander is a very cool guy who makes us sound very cool every single week by editing the show i want to say thank you to gabe i want to say thank you to renee for coming on the show this week you guys are fantastic thank you to everybody out there who listens and thank you to danny for listening live with us uh you are all fantastic human beings so until next time comics are good and so are you (laughs) 